0: All right, so we're starting a new series called Activate, and I am super pumped. Welcome to 2020. How many of you had a happy new year? Yeah, all right, happy new year. Yes, can you, um, yeah, since the last decade, the ultimate dad joke. So... (laughs) Um, I'm going to make a statement, and based on my statement, I want to hear your cheers of excitement if you agree, or your loud boos if you disagree. Here is my statement. Science is awesome. Okay, all right, okay. We're going to try that again because I didn't see Boyd do anything. React to this statement, science is awesome. <laughs> so I am one of those who thinks that science is awesome. It it fascinates me. Um, and the truth is, there's a lot of science experiments that really get my attention, like one of them being uh, dropping Mentos inside of Dr. Pepper. Or Diet Coke, sorry. How does that reaction happen? That's crazy. One of the things that's fascinated me is how an electric guitar works. Like, how, what's the technology and science behind plucking a string, having a, an, an electronic device being able to understand and translate that into ones and zeros, send it through cables to an amplifier, which sends it to a Sends ones and zeros to a speaker that pushes it out as sound. Like that still blows my mind and I don't understand it. Um, Something else um, is this question that you guys I know talked a lot about the last few years. Is water wet or is it just water? That was a very big question last year. Um, But here's a science experiment that I think um, you would all be interested in. So take a look at this video.
1: The main ingredient for elephant's toothpaste is hydrogen peroxide. It's the same stuff you pour on a scrape to disinfect it. The thing is, the bonds that hold the hydrogen and oxygen together are pretty weak. So if we poured some of this in here and just left it for a while, it would keep releasing oxygen and eventually you'd be left with just water. However, if you add a catalyst like potassium iodide, you can make that slow process happen almost instantly. So that's cool, but we can make it way more impressive if we add one key ingredient. Soap. So if we pour this in and then do everything else the same, now when the oxygen is released, the soap captures it, creating bubbles and foam. And then finally, if you do all that again, only now you add food coloring and use a flask that tapers like this, you can focus the expansion of foam so it looks maximum awesome.
0: So it looks maximum awesome.
1: So in order to fill a pool with this stuff, I first got together with some friends and we spent literally hundreds of hours for a few weeks running experiments to calculate the best raw ingredient combinations in addition to brainstorming other cool things we might do with it.
0: Yeah, that's pretty sick. That's pretty cool.
1: And so with the success of the science show behind us, it was now time for phase two. Here she is. Two, Good grief. One.
0: Low-mo, like reverse was awesome. That's thermal cam. A little thermal cam action. So the good news is we broke the record.
1: The bad news is we're kind of overachievers. Uh oh. It's coming up.
0: That just reminds me of something Carson would do for fun. (laughs) But, um, hey, so believe it or not, this is actually something that science and faith have in common. So in science, you have things that can cause activations, or they're called catalysts, right, that either activate a certain response or deactivate a certain bond or something like that. And so with our faith, um, sometimes we have instances or circumstances in our life, and it's hard to tell whether the period of life that we're walking through or the circumstance that we're in is actually a deactivator or an activator for our faith. And so um, I have a story I'd like to share. I'm going to call it Snickers, and that will make sense in a little bit. Basically, I was raised in church, right? So some of you may have grown up in church, some of you may have not. But I was, and so like a good parent, my mom taught me um, not to steal, that it was wrong to steal. And so I'm sure you were taught that as well. Here is where um, the story continues. We went to an Albertsons when I was a young boy, and I um, was hungry for a snack. And so um, we were walking in the candy aisle. I see the glorious brown box of Snickers. And I say, mommy, can I have a Snickers? And my mom probably responded with something like, no. And I don't know why she sounds that deep, but to me, it was terrifying. And so it's like, no, you cannot have a Snickers. I'm not buying that for you. Okay, mommy. And um, in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm going to get a Snickers anyway. And so I, um, on our way out in the checkout aisle, right, brilliant marketing, they place everything that you could have ever forgot or wanted to buy right by the register. And so right there, the Snickers bar that I passed up in the candy aisle is boom, right there in the checkout aisle. And I think I'm going to be a brilliant little boy and pop a Snickers into my pocket and walk out with it. And it worked. And so I We leave. My mom pays for the groceries, but not my Snicker bar because she doesn't know I have it. We get in the car. I slowly take it out of my pocket because those wrappers are loud. I take it out. I open it up without making a peep. I consume the Snickers, peanuts and all, without making a crunch. And then I take the wrapper back and put it in my pocket so there's no evidence. We get out of the car. My mom is asking me to help me take the groceries. So I'm like, okay, cool. She looks at me and she goes, Matthew? Yes, mommy? I don't really know if I was that young. That's crazy. But anyway, yes, mom? Uh, Why do you have chocolate on your face? Oof. Evidence. So I look at her and I go, I don't know. And she asks me to empty my pockets. I do. She sees the empty Snickers wrapper. And so now I feel this feeling, this pit in my stomach, this weight on my shoulders like, oh, I just got caught. Oh, I just got caught. And then she says this, get back in the car. What? Get back in the car. So I get back in the car. She drives me and my sister back to the grocery store. She takes me outside of the car, holds me by the hand, walks me past the security guard. And I'm thinking, I'm going to jail. It didn't happen. And so she takes me. She asks for a manager. We talk to a manager. The manager is standing there like, what's going on, crazy woman with this child? And she says, my son has something he needs to tell you. She gave me the nudge on the rump, pushed me forward. And so now I'm standing in front of a manager of a grocery store with an empty Snickers candy wrapper looking up going, I took this. (laughs) 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 And um, can I be honest with you? It took all the courage in the world for me to even do this motion. I took this. And the manager, you know, understanding now this is what's happening, this is why the mother contacted me, he told me never do it again. He forgave me. Um, I ended up paying for it over time. Snickers bars are expensive for a six-year-old. And then um, I got a spanking, but that's a different story. So, (laughs) But that I had a certain kind of feeling in my gut, not just when I got caught, but when I realized I had done something wrong. And how many of you have had that same similar feeling, pit in the stomach, weight on the shoulders, you felt and you experienced what I'm going to call guilt? How many of you have ever felt guilt before? You've experienced that. Yeah, that's been me. I have too. I think that's a part of the human experience. That's a part of life. If you haven't experienced guilt, then you're not alive because I think everyone has experienced that. And um, maybe the choice that you made when you experienced guilt was something that you thought was you know, seemingly small or insignificant, that it wasn't going to hurt a lot of people. Maybe you told that white lie or maybe you stole that $5 or maybe you told your parent that you were going to be somewhere but you really weren't. And so maybe those were little small things that you did but you felt guilty about it. Um, and even the little things can add guilt. But can I be real for a second? Look at me. I, wa- I don't want you to miss this. Because guilt also happens to be one of the heaviest weights that you and I as human beings will ever experience in our lives because what if the guilt you feel is because you made a drastically different kind of decision that had a dr- drastically different kind of consequence that gave you a drastically different feeling or weight of grief of guilt like Maybe you actually went to that party and you did those drugs. And maybe you had too much to drink. Or can I just be real for a second? Maybe you went too far with that guy, not even in person, but on freaking Snapchat. And if you're like me, when I was in your shoes... Whenever I looked at something I shouldn't have been looking at, every time I felt this feeling inside of extreme guilt. I did something really bad. I didn't honor God in this. I didn't treat my friend with respect. My parents deserve better. I'm a failure as a Christian. I said I wouldn't do it, but I did. I messed up. And when you have guilt that's that heavy, it changes the conversation. We're going to talk about this guy in the Bible who experienced a really big, heavy weight of guilt. And this entire series is actually about this guy named Peter. And maybe you've heard of him, maybe you haven't. But Peter was one of Jesus' disciples and he was a key leader in the church. Say key leader. leader. Say key Key. Leader. leader. That meant he played a huge role in the church. But even people who play huge roles in the church have guilt. And Peter's not a perfect dude by any means. Watch this. We're about to read some scripture. We're about to learn about Peter's life in this whole series for the month of January. And today we just happen to be talking about guilt. And listen, Peter, he gave up his whole career to follow Jesus. He was a fisherman. He gave it all away. He left everything that was familiar to follow Jesus who wasn't familiar. Because he believed to some degree at that time that Jesus was worth following. And so he left his career, he left his fishing career, he left his life as he knew it, and he began to follow Jesus. And he wanted to show, because Jesus was so important to him, and because he had given up so much, he wanted to make sure he got it right. And he wanted to make sure that he could show everyone how committed to Jesus that he was. And here's what the book of Mark says. I preached a message on this a little bit ago called Ride or Die. And I I can, you know, share that with you. We can listen to it at some point. But I'm going to approach it from a little bit different perspective. But think of Peter as someone who told Jesus, I'll be your ride or die no matter what. I'm going to be with you by your side no matter how hard things get. And this is Mark chapter 14. Listen to this. On the way, Jesus told them. He's talking to his disciples here. And he is—he had just had his last meal with them. He, they don't know it yet, but this is their la- one of the last conversations they will ever have with Jesus before he goes to the cross, he dies and is buried and raises from the dead. This is one of the last conversations they will ever have. Listen to this and Jesus told all of his disciples all of you will desert me for the scriptures say god will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered but after i am raised from the dead i will go ahead of you to galilee and i'll meet you there uh what that's a big statement Jesus just said "If when he dies, he's going to be risen from the dead and he's going to meet you later. Well, Peter doesn't even think about what Jesus said about his resurrection from the dead. He hears Jesus say, all of you will desert me, and he throws out this. even if someone, Even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter declared emphatically. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. They were going to commit to Jesus no matter how hard things got, no matter how bad the circumstances were. They were going to be ride or dies for Christ. And Jesus said, dude, I'm calling your bluff. I'm calling your bluff. And the Bible continues teaching that within hours of that conversation, Peter denied even knowing Jesus. He deserted him when he was arrested. And he abandoned one of his best friends. Not only did he let himself down because he made this elaborate commitment, this elaborate statement, even if everyone deserts you, Jesus, I'll be there. And when it actually came time to show his cards, Jesus was right. He was bluffing. Not only did he disappoint himself, he disappointed all of his friends, but mainly he disappointed his friend Jesus, and it's a little bit more significant than just his friend Jesus, because Jesus is the Son of God. He disappointed the Son of God. Now, if you were in Peter's shoes, how would you feel? How would you feel? Because if I was in Peter's shoes, I'd be like, oh, man, I just did that. And I would be filled with a lot of grief, a lot of guilt, maybe guilt like this, that when Peter realized what he had done, he wept. The Bible says he wept, he cried because he felt so much guilt. For what he did. And I'm not going to stand here and pretend that you and I don't know that kind of guilt. I can't pretend that you and I don't know what it's like to feel the heavy weight of guilt on our shoulders and in our gut, even to the point of tears, because we regret. Our mistakes, And maybe you even feel like you've disappointed the son of God. Maybe you feel like because of your mistake, God's not even approachable. You can't even say his name. You can't go to church. You can't sing a worship song. How am I supposed to share my faith when I'm doing this? I'm just going to ask you this question. I want you to think about it. What if it didn't have to be that way? What if the guilt that you and I felt whenever we disappointed God didn't cause us to back away from Him? What if the guilt that we felt caused us to step even closer? Let's fast forward to the end of the book of John because John records this encounter that Peter had with Jesus. Watch this. Jesus did die on the cross that day. Jesus was buried in a tomb. And the Bible teaches that three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. And after Jesus rose from the dead, he walked the earth for 40 more days. And during that time period, he had conversations like this with his disciples and in front of 500 other people. And John witnessed one of those conversations that Jesus had with Peter after he rose from the dead. And here's the description. Jesus sees Peter. Now, how would you imagine Whew, Peter felt? When he saw Jesus standing in front of him after abandoning him. How would you feel if you had to stand in front of somebody that you abandoned? What do you how do you think that they should, would would respond to you? Like if I'm being real, if I were Peter and Jesus was standing in front of me, I would probably be expecting Jesus to say, like, dude where were you I'll never I'll never leave you Oh yeah <laughs> Like that's something I would expect Jesus to do to me But Jesus looks at Peter watch this and instead of being bitter about it you know what he does He doesn't get bitter he makes him breakfast John, the last chapter of John teaches that Jesus did not get bitter towards Peter. He makes him breakfast because he wants to communicate something. Look at me. Look at me. Don't miss this. He makes him breakfast because he wants Peter to know this is going to be a safe conversation. They're eating a meal together. And Jesus asks Peter, hey, do you, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. They're eating breakfast, and Jesus asked Peter again, hey, but for real, like, do you love me? Yeah, Jesus, I I love you. So they eat breakfast, and Jesus asked them a third time, like, hey, Peter, do you really love me? And Peter at this point is probably thinking, well, this is where Jesus drops the hammer, so I might as well try to defend myself. Uh, You know what, Jesus? You know everything. You know that I love you. And the summary of what Jesus tells Peter is this okay, then follow me. Follow me. Feed my sheep, take care of my lambs, do the mission that you were already doing. And just take the next step and follow me. Keep going. Don't let your guilt keep you from keep, keeping going. Don't let your guilt prevent you from taking the next step. And in that moment, Jesus showed Peter a more powerful weight than guilt. Because if guilt is a faith detractor, then I think one of the most important faith activators is grace. Grace. There's a difference between grace and mercy. Mercy is not getting the punishment that you do deserve. Like Peter in this instance deserved a what the heck, bro. (laughs) But that's not the attitude Jesus had with him. Mercy is not getting the punishment that you do deserve. Watch this grace is receiving the blessing that you don't deserve. And a lot of us, when we get saved, when we put our faith in Jesus, the only thing that we're convinced of that Christianity is, is a get out of hell free card. Don't miss this. We think that if we place our faith in Jesus, it's just a get out of hell free card. And that you're experiencing God's mercy because I don't have to go to hell when I die. And that's all your faith is, is just not going to hell. That's why I'm a Christian, so I don't go to hell. But there is so much more on the other side of not going to hell, and it's called grace. All the blessings that God wants to give you that you don't deserve if you will just take the next step and follow him. And Jesus tells Peter, no, you don't deserve to be my disciple, but guess what? I am inviting you to be. Come on, take the next step. Don't stop following me. Yes, you made that mistake. Yes, you went to that party. Don't let guilt keep you from taking the next step and following Jesus. Because Jesus gives you grace. Yes, you had too much to drink. Yes, you were high as a kite. Yes, you went too far on freaking Snapchat. Yes, you went too far physically with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Yes, you looked at porn. Whatever your mistake was, Jesus is looking at you and saying, no, you don't deserve it, but come on, I'm going to give it to you because that's how much I love you. Because guilt wants to deactivate your faith. And when you feel guilty, you need to turn to Jesus and look for the grace that he gives, not run away from him and be trapped by the guilt in your chest. I'm going to read one more scripture to you, and I'm going to wrap up. This is Hebrews chapter 4. Listen to this. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. I think the reason you don't approach God, the reason I don't approach God when we've made mistakes is because we feel like the only response he's going to give us is a slap on the wrist, and I told you so, and a whole lot of punishment. But the author of Hebrews is saying this. God's not a God who wants to slap you on the wrist. God is a God of justice and God is a God of judgment. But when you put your faith in Jesus, watch this, God is a God of grace. And so you and I, when we put our faith in Jesus, have every right to take a step towards God and his throne because he's the gracious God. Listen to this. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And there, there at his throne at the throne of the gracious God, there. You know where you have to be in your spirit to be there at the throne of God is be willing to admit that Jesus is king and you are not. And if you want to receive the blessing you don't deserve, you have to realize that you don't deserve it. And you have to bend your knee. And be able to look up in Jesus and say, you are my king, you are my master. There, in that place, with that kind of posture, there at his throne, watch this, there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So I'm just going to ask you really simply. Do you need some grace today? Does guilt have you wrapped up in regret, running away from God? Because God, right now, He's sitting on His throne, Jesus is sitting on His throne he's looking at you, and he's saying, you don't deserve it, but come to me anyway. Because I have blessings for you. I have grace for you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the truth of your word. I pray that it encourages us, that it transforms us from the inside out, so that we can take the next step in our relationship with you. God, help every student to be fully devoted to new life in Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen.